Hi, and welcome to the 21st episode of Desert Island Punks. I'm Ellie, I'm a wannabe artist, and this is my brother Jake's podcast. I'm here to turn the tables and ask Jake what five albums, book, and luxury item he would take to a desert island. We hung out in my flat in Edinburgh before Jake plays with Arms and Hearts at Banshee Labyrinth. We chat about Jake's undying love of meatloaf, as well as the ups and downs of Friends and Stephen King novels. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to my room <laughs> and uh, my very, very cold flat. I like your room though, oh, even thanks. if it is cold. <laughs> yeah, I, it's got charm. I think with cold places though, it's like it just gives you more excuse to spend more time in bed. <laughs> yeah, I spend a lot of time in my dressing gown and with a hot water bottle, and that's basically yeah, I need my to life. invest in a hot water bottle. It's a game changer, honestly. Like, I cannot have the heating on and just. You know, have really? a hot water bottle like down the front of my hoodie the whole time. <laughs> down the front of your hoodie. Yeah, it's like I literally got burnt from the hot water bottle. It was quite sad. I thought surely the whole point of a hot water bottle is it takes on boiling water and doesn't boil your skin. Yeah, it's just not a very good one, basically. But okay. anyway, well. how's it all going? Uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been pretty chill, which is exactly what uh, I think. What I exactly what I wanted anyway. It was just like a bit of a break. Um, because uh, we originally got books for the Leeds show, and then uh, Stevie, Stevie Boy. Big S. The, the little S <laughs> in, in our lives. Um, he, uh, he got in touch and asked if we wanted to do like a little run around beforehand. And I was like, yeah. Nice. I mean, like, I kind of like acoustic shows in the sense that it means I can hear myself a bit better. And sometimes it's fun just to like play songs that we don't usually play live as a band because you only have half an hour to play and you want to hear all the the bangers. <laughs> <laughs> banger after banger. <laughs> yeah. No space for any more. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of pretty fun. Um, and then also, it's nice just to be able to see people. Like last night, we got to see our friend, JRA. Um, and that's really good. Got to meet his cat. Oh yeah, what's his cat like? His cat's awesome. He's called uh, uh, Skiba. Nice. Um, That's cute. Uh, yeah, he's really nice. Actually. He was like quite friendly near the end. Like, cause when, like, yeah. <laughs> Get warmed up. Once, once we'd like battered him into friendliness. Um, no, because uh, he's quite young. I think he's like eight months old. Is he a rescuer? Is he a, yeah, you know? Don't know. I think it's... Do you get purebred cats? I guess I, you must. But... I think it's a uh, friend's cat had litter. Oh, nice. Um, and so he's got... But, like, uh, it was pretty skittish, but it also meant it was, like, super fun because yeah. I got to, like, play the... Play the here's my hand. My hand's gone now. And yeah. he was like, he was like, oh no! <laughs> I feel like if you've got a blanket and you move your leg under the blanket, it's just wild. Well, yeah, like... they just co- they could not cope with that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah, nice. So you're on the other end of the the interviewing process this week. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's really weird actually because uh, some when I was trying to figure out my choices, I was like, this is really fucking hard. <laughs> I was like, I've been putting people through this for twenty episodes now. Yeah, well, I feel like you could probably, like you've said before, like everyone's kind of changes every week, and it kind of depends if you go for the like, throughout my life, angle or the sort of right now these yeah. are the bangers angle. I think yeah, I think that is there is like two two ways of doing it. 
Um, and like, I think it's really fun just to speak to people and chat, like, see what, like, what they're even when they say like, oh, this is what I'm listening to right now, as opposed to like what they were doing throughout their whole career, or like the the growing up or something. It's still kind of like a bit of an eye opener, especially because with punk bands, they don't. Often people don't listen to that much punk, or like yeah. you know. Some people have had really like wacky choices in the best way. <laughs> like, wacky, <laughs> like the cartoons. <laughs> yeah, really, it's the word wacky. In <laughs> yeah, I just think there are some people, and they've chosen something, and I've been like, I would never have put you down for you know, as a Tina Turner guy, for yeah. example. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I think yeah, that's kind of what's really fun about it, though, because especially if you listen back to these people's bands or who they work with or something and then you can sign kind of see like the sprinkling of influences <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. you know where it's like especially with like Red City Radio like um, with um, like Garrett's Choices a lot of them were like super big pop you know like kind of sassy and he did choices Tina Turner, yeah he? yeah so it's like and you can see that in Red City Radio you know like it's kind of knowingly cheesy a you lot know, of the time bleeds the sass yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um, but so yeah that's kind of cool and it was, it was weird doing it from my perspective um, especially because I've spoken to a few people and said like what I might put in mine and then also I kind of took into account what other people have chosen I was like well maybe I can you know as my long list was like 15 albums or whatever um, I mean that I could go like well I won't put this album in because somebody else has chosen it recently we've already had that conversation so. yeah gives a bit of variety as well mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So what angle have you gone for? You gone for like? I've gone for this is my life. Or... Yeah, this is my life. <laughs> Jake, this is your life. <laughs> Jake, the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, so I've done that because I thought that would be more fun to talk about uh, yeah. personally, anyway, other than just being like, I like that album because it is good. Mm. Cool. Okay, choice number one. I've forgotten what it was, <laughs> so <laughs> you're gonna have to. Yeah, uh, my first choice is uh, Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, and that is mainly because uh, I think our dad had it in the car for about 10 years. Yeah. Um, and it was like the thing that I always like, I would, whenever we got in the car, that'd be like the first thing I'd request to put on. That's before he got really into Jack Johnson then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he did like, get really... Mellowed out. Yeah. So like, I remember there was like a few CDs in the car and it was like, that out of hell. Um, the best of Simon and Garfunkel and then like the, the Lighthouse family as well I think that was in there um, and we'd just like rotate those CDs like if we went to go and see our aunt and uncle do you know, like it would just be like those three CDs over and over again and I remember like even going back in the car when I was at Kim and Sean's and like just finding my favourite songs on those CDs and listening to them uh, and then uh, also like uh, mum always tells a story of apparently when I was a baby uh, they, and you're going way back like, yeah, yeah. When, before I was born like, in the womb <laughs> yeah. I was really into me <laughs> well apparently when I was like, like literally like fresh you know like sticky. still got the gunk on you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in this room and dad was uh, playing Battle of Hell um, really really loud when they were like in the kitchen or something and they didn't realise the speakers went into the room where I was and it was like right next to my head and like it was like absolutely like, like top level kind of like loudness and so it's just ingrained in my soul man yeah like, this is your version of baby got back <laughs> yeah exactly it is that um, so yeah so now I'm obviously a massive meatloaf fan and that's where they think it came from in reality that's not really where it came from it's probably just the fact that dad only owned three CDs apparently <laughs> yeah, I mean the three 
pretty good choices. Yeah, though, I think so. Know. I mean, I still listen to like I still listen to Simon Garfunkel quite a lot. I mean, I don't tend to listen to Meatloaf all that much, but like if like if it's if it comes on, like I know every fucking word. Um, and it's just like it's a. I always like kind of liken Meatloaf a bit to Queen. I was actually thinking that because obviously I was listening to your your tracks this morning, mm. and I was like, it's got the kind of dramatic operatic kind of yeah. vibe where it's just like shall we make it more intense yeah. yes <laughs> I, I do like that as well because it's like you get like five five minutes in and you're like well the song's kind of happened now and then they're like well we decided that we yeah, were, we're going to compl- it up yeah. with that here. <laughs> we were going to completely reinvent the melody and then that's going to have this whole other dramatic thing and then it's going to go into a little bit of like you know speaking and talking and then we're going to do it again and then there's like a fucking a rev of a um, motorbike, <laughs> just in case you didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, we're really cool. By <laughs> um, but yeah, like I kind of love that because it's like with Queen as well, is that they quite regularly reinvent the melody and it's just as catchy and just as awesome. Um, and or like the structure, they like really fuck about with the structure and it's just like really interestingly written. Um, but yeah, I kind of uh, also there's like a lot of, I mean. Another album that I haven't put on this, but like honorable mention uh, for Springsteen, and it's like I was really surprised you didn't have any Springsteen on you. Well, yeah, I feel like that's the thing about having five. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's shaking his head. Yeah, um, quite a few other people did pick Springsteen though. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and to be honest, like I do love Springsteen, but it was if I when I because I decided I was going to go through the route of like growing up a little bit. Um, I think with that it kind of Springsteen came a little later in life. But what I think was funny is that, like, I think the P, uh, pianist, um, or maybe the organ player, one of the two played on Bat Out Hell and also was in the street band. And so there's a lot of that sort of, like, you know, like that sort of, like, that kind of actually crosses over into Bruce Springsteen quite a lot. And you can see the sort of, uh, I don't know whether the influence is a thing, but maybe, like, that sort of, yeah, like, bleed you know, of yeah. people in the same scene at the same time and, you know, sort of same instrumentation and, like, Springsteen does very, you know, stories and journeys and that's what Love does as well. Yeah. So would you say it's influenced the way you do... Right. ...do your stuff? Or no. no? <laughs> I was going to say, you're not, like, super operatic, you know? No. But... I think, like, I don't know. I... I especially because of, like, the way he sings. Because he sings, like, so... Like, you know, obviously he sings quite operatic, but it's all, like... Uh, it's all death metal all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like he's never like whispering, or if he is whispering, it's very much like scripted. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think that is something that I've probably taken on a bit. Is in like I feel like I, I I tend to sort of sing at the top of my vocal range um, in a way, but I I don't know if that's meatloaf influenced. Mm. But maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe. Oh well. <laughs> I can't wait for my operatic uh, yeah. musical opera that I'm releasing soon. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I'd, you know, just hunkering down at the moment and working <laughs> yeah. on my musical opera. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep yourself busy somehow. <laughs> I think it would be really fun though, because I think with doing something like that, you have no um, uh, constraints about what you're gonna do. Like, if I write a song, I write it and I think like this is how I want it to sound. And so if it doesn't sound that way, I stop myself from going in that direction. If you were to do a music opera, you don't have to do that. 
Yeah, well, you can just go wild, you know. You, yeah. can, you can have that mentality of like, well, let's just, you know, chuck in some trumpets because why yeah, not? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, no this, one's stopping me. This song's got a kazoo solo, you know. Or the, you know, like, I've, I've got a guitar and it's like, well, that doesn't matter because it's like... Yeah, it doesn't need to fit with your your personal brand, <laughs> as my, it were. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so anyway, that's my next project. It's not actually my next project, but maybe, maybe it is one day. <laughs> I was convinced, but, you know. <laughs> really sold. Yeah. Okay. Choice number two. It was... Against Me? Uh, it wasn't Against Me, but I can put Against Me in. Mm, okay. Unless uh, you're going for chronological... Uh, no, I have to go chronological. Uh, so, Against Me, New Wave, um, which isn't... Funny, weirdly, isn't my favourite Against Me album. And I don't think it's a lot of people's favourite Against Me album, actually. It was kind of quite divisive when it came out, like every Against Me album ever. Um, but it's the one that got me into them, really. Like, I got really, really into them when that album came out, I think. So it was like 2007, I think. No, wait. 2007, I want to say? 2008, maybe? Might be a little earlier than that. But uh, that's when I got into them and, like, I proper fell for the fact that, like, Thrash Unreal and uh, White People for Peace is, like, they're, like, pop songs masquerading as punk songs mm. and it's like that is absolutely placed to my likes you know that sort of like big chorusy, big catchy choruses but also with like some sort of like I don't know I wouldn't say vigour but it sounds crap but um, <laughs> some sort of like oomph behind it do you know what I mean uh, and that's like absolutely I mean I, I even think that um, the that album as well like I think it does I think it, the first five songs especially are really strong like pretty untouchable and after that, I, I think it's a little more wall wobbly, but like, I can probably listen to Thrash and Real three times a day for the rest of my life, and I don't think I'd ever get sick of it. Three is quite like conservative, I reckon. I can go, yeah. I think I just have quite a lot of stamina for listening to the same thing over and over yeah. again. I could probably have it like, you know, for like three or four hours and not really. Not, not really. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I each think... time it gets to like the crescendo moment, I'd still be like, yeah, <laughs> God, it's good. Yeah. yeah, and then like, I think again, like Up the Cuts, I think is really, really, really good. Um, and just those, like, I'd say the first like five songs in particular are just like relentless bangers. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not, it's not the Against Me album I thought you would choose, but it's also got a lot of tracks on there which like, Aside from Fashion Room, which is obviously just a banger from the off. Yeah, but like yeah. a lot of them I didn't love the first time I listened to it, but they really, really grew on me and yeah. now they're my favourites. But it definitely wasn't like that at the beginning and I would have thought I think, Yeah, I just was expecting you to not choose that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think that a lot of people are, but then that is like that was the album that got me into them and then they have been such a huge influence in my songwriting. Mm. Um, especially because of like like a lot of the big songs that they have released um, are like essentially pop songs do you know what I mean like you know Walking is Still Honest it's got that big chorus and it's got the, like again talking about like vocally like I definitely took a lot of influence from Laura Jane Grace because she sings at the top of a range of the vast majority of time and it gives it that energy yeah it gives it the kind of like you know grittiness that you're just like yeah, yeah. she really means this yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and it's like really cares and really like yeah it just adds that extra energy um, and that's what I always really love that and I think I've been trying to recreate that my entire songwriting career do you know what yeah. I mean just uh, have one thrash unreal yeah <laughs> or one walk it is still honest you know and then yeah. you, but there's always one or two songs off any of their albums even the ones that I don't like as much that are always like that and then mm. I also think she's got a really interesting vocal and like an ear for a melody 
like it's but like you're saying especially on like new wave there are some things that like i wouldn't have necessarily i wouldn't have done you know if it was me writing that song i wouldn't have gone for that melody yeah um and it sounds quite jarring to begin with but then you know once you've listened to it three or four times for yeah or whatever yeah 10 times jarring is kind of like you know there's a fine line between jarring and kind of interesting you know it's yeah. just like jarring in a good way yeah <laughs> pleasantly jarring <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that would probably be choice number two. Nice. And number three? Uh, can't remember which one I put three, but I'm going to say uh, Doolittle uh, Pixies. Oh, yeah. That is one I would have thought you'd chosen. Like, that makes sense, you know. Yeah. If I was choosing for you, <laughs> I would choose that. <laughs> I was doing this to Steve earlier. I was like trying to guess his i got the first two like straight away and then i really struggled afterwards um but i think it's because it's like a lot of these you don't i mean do is kind of like i think you guys like you and cal would be able to call that parade on the off yeah uh, because it was such a big thing for me when playing guitar i think i think here comes your man was probably one of the first songs i ever played live i think mm -hmm. i did that and blowing in the wind yeah, and Grandad was there yeah. when I was there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and it's just like funny to think that, like, I mean, like, I'm pretty, I don't tend to do covers very often. Um, and those, and so even when, like, you know, as a 15 year old or whatever, I was uh, doing Here Comes Your Man, felt like a, a song that not many people would have known. And even then, I was like, I'm going to do a song that not that many people would have known. <laughs> yeah, now, obviously, loads of people know it, and because we're part of the music scene, and it's a very famous song. Um, but when you're 15 and you're like man I'm so cool yeah I think I thought I was pretty cool you know because I wasn't doing like Muse or something you know something really obvious I think I thought and then even with I remember you know Blowing It Away one of the most famous songs of all time I still think I was like being a bit edgy yeah <laughs> just there like god I am absolutely nailing <laughs> yeah. this do you like... not know Bob Dylan yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I think I was a little like that which is funny because I was not a cool kid so I, I, maybe that was the way to make myself cool at that age was to pull out the not so obscure obscure tracks. You know? <laughs> well, you've got to have something to get you through secondary school, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I, and I I do remember like the cool kids coming up to me afterwards and asking me who the songs were because they thought it was really good, and I was like, I have made it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. You peaked. It's all downhill until death. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm just gonna get balder and fatter until I die. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I think like I, did that, I mean that album was huge for me in, like just because it was so different and I think it was it, there are hooks in there and there are like conventional structures but it's done in such a weird and interesting way mm. and it's like because there's quite a lot of variety within the same album, you know, like just in the way that they're set up and everything so obviously I was listening to that this morning as yeah, well yeah. <laughs> and it, it's kind of like it, it's not the same sound all the way through. Like they're obviously like linked, but yeah. it's quite kind of it keeps it fresh. It's know? quite yeah. It's quite it's got a lot of dynamics, and it's like it would be pretty hard to like lump the Pixies in a category. And I think later on they became a bit more like this is you know a lot of our songs sound like this. Yeah, whereas in that album it really is up and down, going like kind of all over the place, and it's like you know probably alternative rock or whatever. But then you know I wouldn't call them punk I wouldn't call them grunge mm. don't, don't really know um, but again that's like that's like the sort of the peak album for them like when K Kim Deal was like still heavily involved in the songwriting and you can still hear a lot of that um, and I think the like, later stuff I really liked but it's when she seemed to kind of 
stop being so involved in the songwriting and it became far more uh, Frank Black. And it's like, I think that's when it kind of like, not petered out, but like it became the, you know, there was that one sound and it was all on one level rather than being like, oh, we're going to just have a really, really quiet, weird song now. <laughs> Love the quiet, weird ones. <laughs> um, yeah, but again, like I think that is like, it's still, and it still sounds fucking awesome now and it still doesn't sound like anything else and if anybody sounds like that it's just like well you're just ripping off the pixies uh, or you know it's like when well, i know we're all ripping off somebody but like it's hard to i think it'd be very 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 difficult to have a band that sounded fresh that we're trying that we're trying to do the thing that the pixies were doing you know they very much forged a groove for themselves and then was just like bring it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like try us yeah and even now like, the pixies are just like they released an album a couple of years back that I actually thought was really good. It got kind of... Kind They've of, been going for a long time. Uh, yeah, well, they came back. They stopped and came back and did all that shit. Um, <laughs> but they, yeah, they released a... I can't actually remember what it was called. I think it was... Is it, either Indie Cindy or the, the single off of it was called Indie Cindy. And, like, everyone was a bit like, oh, yeah, it's not that great or whatever. But it just sounded like the Pixies. And that's exactly what I wanted from a Pixies album. You know, like, it sounded like them. I enjoyed the songs. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's sort of the, what it's for. <laughs> a like, remit of an album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if it hasn't done that, it's sort of, you know, failed at the, yeah. the brief. Um, yeah. So I forgot to ask you this for the first two. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to do the backlog. But, you know, your your vinyl splits into bits and you have to collect one song from right. each one. I don't know how that would work. I guess it would have to be cookie yeah. cut out. But. Uh, oh. I always really, 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 really liked... Uh, Paradise by Dashboard Light. Um, from, I mean, if I don't know quite, I think it might be it. <laughs> Probably a little problematic now if you looked at the lyrics, especially some of them. It was all, you know, of the year and was uh, famously like, there was, in one of the videos, the person that was supposedly singing the female uh, part wasn't the actual singer because she wasn't deemed attractive enough. <laughs> which is pretty fucking harsh when you look at Meatloaf yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next to like a big sweaty man <laughs> you know like um, but yeah like I'd say Paradise by Dashboard like just just for the old like a uh, over the top of my head mm-hmm. and then I'd actually say as much as I love Thrash Unreal so much I think Up The Cuts is really really um, derated from that one off mm-hmm. uh, new wave and then it would have to be I suppose it would have to be Here Comes Your Man from- yeah, it'd be kind of like, why are you not picking that one? <laughs> yeah, I suppose it would be. I can just berate myself the entire time that I wasn't as good as that cover. <laughs> that cover wasn't as good as the original. I feel like, you know, it doesn't need to be as good as it just needs to be, you know, not needs to be different, but, yeah, you know, you're not trying to do the exact same thing that they are all the time. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday about, you know, the value of covers and what they, you know... Yeah. What the point is. <laughs> they can be really good, I think. But, like I said, like I've always thought that if I was going to do a cover, I'd like to do one that was a little bit unknown. Just mm. because there's no, there's no point, you know, we could, we all know what Wonderwall sounds like. Do you know what I mean? We don't hear, yeah, need to but hear that. Some again. people do cover them and really remake it. Not Wonderwall specifically, yeah, but, you know, yeah. songs. Like, and you listen to it and you sort of, it takes you a while to realise what they're doing. And I do quite enjoy that, you know, if they have quite a different... Yeah, they have quite a different genre to sure. whatever it is. A really good example of that, I think, is uh, the outdoor type um, from Lemonheads. 
Because that's like a cover, like the original is like pretty like straight up punk rock, and then their version is like really like kind of almost like country and quite like uh, it makes it it translates the lyrics a, a lot more, becomes suddenly quite inward facing, and I feel like it's suddenly then quite descriptive over of them. And it, I remember listening to that song and like really relating and just being like, you know, as, I'm not there. like as fucking eighteen year old. Yeah, we and my mum going like, "Whoa, is me." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely is a sort of a time in your life song yeah. that you're like at a certain age you think, "Yeah," yeah. and then at another age you think, "Yeah, you know, once, but perhaps not." Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose that's the case. Hmm. Okay, number four. It's um, uh, Midnight Organ Fight, right? Yes. <laughs> Full of bangers. Yeah, that is right. So uh, when I was doing this list, I put in a whole bunch of things and then I was like, I kind of fancy... So I, like, confess that I basically didn't really know much Frightened Rabbit until, like, two years ago, obviously, after um, after the whole thing that I'm sure everyone's aware of. Um, but uh, I got... I kind of... Before that, I knew a few of the songs, the sort of songs of the later album, like The Woodpile... Mm. Um, and holy like I kind of knew him and I kind of liked him but wasn't really super into him and I don't know why but when he died um, that death really really hit me I think because I knew people they they were they weren't like a a band that were like super on stage and far away they felt like quite a like relatable and Mm. close to home band you know like I knew people that toured with them I knew I knew uh, like they played at venues that frequently went to you know yeah Um, and so it felt very close to home for some reason and so I kind of dug deeper into their sort of uh, archive of music and I got really, really, really into that album. And I think I listened to that album for like two weeks solid, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, and now I was say like at least once a year, maybe two times a year, I probably just get obsessed with that album for like another two weeks. Yeah. Just not so great when you're sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you're opening the wound and you're just rubbing yeah. the salt right in. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, again, like that album is really interesting. It's a bit like the Pixies, you know, like they don't really stick to one sort of genre. You know, that mm. that album is all over the place in terms of what they do. It's, it's, a, it's cohesive mm. and it sounds like Frightened Rabbit. But if you were to tell me what a Frightened Rabbit song sounds like, I'd really struggle. Yeah, that's true, actually. But I think they do, you know, you're never, who is this but it's sort of it's just got variety I think because they do a lot they do some really really slow things and then they do some quite like I'm going to use the word wacky again okay zany (laughs) yeah (laughs) zesty (laughs) zesty (laughs) but like kind of some of the rhythms in it I'm just like whoa you know was not expecting that to come out here (laughs) like and yet it's all still really sad even when it's like Like, wacky yeah quite happy like quite happy sounding or like yeah Yeah, it's quite upbeat you know even the way he's singing it's quite sort of cheery but the words are just not (laughs) yeah well I think it was uh, I was like reading up about it a while back and apparently I think I think it was mostly him that wrote that and his brother I think his brother's a drummer Mm might be wrong um, but yeah I think they between the two I think they did like almost all the parts and it was also written before the first album came out which I didn't realise as well like written and recorded before the first album came out that's so interesting because it feels kind of like a continuation you know it's like and now they've peaked yeah from having started there and now this is I, like... I think that it was wrote, written and then the first album came out and then yeah, I don't. I don't really know, but it was quite interesting because it definitely feels like a step up. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, again, like I haven't. I um, pretty confess that I, 
I mostly listened to that one album. Like, yeah, it is the best one. Like, I I do enjoy their other albums, but I think I would reliably come back to Midnight Organ Fight. And also, I'm always surprised that it's like 13 or 14 tracks because usually I would find that Too I would long. noticeably long. You know, yeah. I might get not quite bored, but I might want to move on before it's over. But I always find it's kind of it's over too soon, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it, like yeah, I I agree actually. Like I am pretty, I've been pretty vocal about how I think albums should be about ten tracks, eleven tracks, maybe most. I mean, this is coming from somebody who's released an album that had twelve tracks. So, <laughs> you know, even I'm well aware that that is probably better at that length. But like, yeah, and you do get occasional gems that come out of it, like um, uh, "Outcome the Walls" by Rancid. Like that is an album. I mean. So it's like 18 track songs or something silly like that and it's like most people wouldn't be able to do that but for some reason it works for like one album you know one space in time and that is again another album that you every single time the next track comes on you're like whoa that's a banger like how have they managed that do you know what I mean there's no moment where you're like that one kind of sucks yeah when you're like eh, if I could be bothered to get up I would skip it <laughs> but yeah. I'm not going to unfortunately I can't be bothered to yeah. get up <laughs> like, I guess I'll just endure <laughs> Um, I am going to check my list because I can't remember what the fifth choice is. Uh, I can't remember either, to be honest. Oh, oh no, it was. I was going to say because I put the Fright and Rabbit one at the end of my playlist because I was like, I already know these. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so my next choice is Oh Calcutta by Lawrence Arms. Ah, uh, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, and that album is that is another every track is a banger album mm. and like I think it's that one's weird for me because like if we're talking about like progression in terms of like. Uh, age and sort of songwriting and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Cass, the bassist in our band, absolutely loves Lawrence Arms and like he when he came, when like I met him and we were talking about music and stuff, that was like one of his like favorite bands of all time. And I didn't really listen to him. I didn't. Oh, I listened listen to a couple of songs and I wasn't super into it. Like, Cass, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And like I, I can't remember when it was. It was probably maybe like five, six years ago. Um, I was in like a record shop and whenever I'm in a record shop I kind of make an effort to buy or buy albums that I maybe like have been recommended but haven't really listened to or whatever you know and like so I picked up in the same shop I picked up it was in all ages records in Gambling I picked up uh, Okalka and Lemuria uh, oh yeah yeah I can't quite remember the title of the album that I picked up is it the one with the ribcage on it maybe <laughs> uh, one of them anyway uh, and like uh, yes and then I put that on and like because I think the ones he'd been playing was the mostly the earlier stuff and the comparison between the earlier stuff to Okalka is quite dramatic I think like they went from like being like you know like a punk rock band um, kind of uh, kind of almost like a bit Blink-182-y um, and then like Okalka just feels like a completely different beast and it is just like again it's like all death metal all time you know what I mean like it's at the top of the range, like all the songs are like, you know, quite fast um, drum beats and quite fast, like in terms of tempo. But yet, like the lyrics and the, the hooks are absolutely incredible. They're not throwaway at all. Like the lyrics are really interesting and they reference a bunch of cool yeah, stuff. Really kind of cultural. Yeah, and it's just like you almost wouldn't expect it from that band because, I mean, they're, they're kind of at, like mostly, you know, like their online presence and like their stage presence is quite silly. Really very much like we've had a few beers or whatever. But the yeah, the lyrics are, are awesome, and like the sort of the comparison, like the sort of two vocals. So they got two singers, and there, there is never better than on that album. I don't think like 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was reading about it this morning. It said on that one, compared to other albums, they sing together more than they sing apart. Yeah, yeah and that was kind of unique to that one compared yeah. to the previous ones. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, as I was saying, the uh, choruses and stuff on that is just incredible. Like the way some of the ways that they build up the songs and then like the final course is like right at the end and it's like this massive payoff and it's just like so satisfying to listen to. Um, but I remember like listening to that album, I must have listened to it like 10 times in like two days and like I just wanted to write a song that was anywhere near as good as a song on that album afterwards and that's like just, just what I tried to do from then onwards to probably now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, have you done it yet? Yeah, well, <laughs> obviously not. Um yeah, and that was first funny because it was like very much a Caff's influence that one, um, and like he he loves that. I know he loves that album as well. Um, and then even their later stuff is great as well. It's like again, it feels a bit more, maybe, maybe mature is not the word, but like it's quite different. It's quite another step, and it's even still that album's like got a lot going on, and it's way deeper than it seems. You know, if you like listen to it surface level you would be like, okay, whatever. But the minute you actually start paying attention to what's happening, it's like it's really, really, really well written. It's also just like the fact that they've got a Judy Bloom reference is just like, <laughs> you know, they're really taking it from all parts of the map. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. And like, like I say, it would just be so easy to listen to some of their stuff and think that they were just like a, a snotty punk band and they're, they're just not that thing. And it's fine that they, you know, that people think that is and if they, whatever, you know, they're just kind of happy. I feel like they're just happy to be here. Yeah. And like, that is, means a lot, you know, they're not trying to, it's, there's no pretense. It's like they've got this interesting stuff, but they're not like, they're not shoving it down your throat. Yeah, that's kind of also what you want from, like, I guess particularly a punk band, is you kind of just want them to do what they do in the most kind of genuine yeah. way to do it, you know, without, like, being an arsehole about it or, like, really, really being like, this is what we're doing and it yeah. makes us incredibly cool, by the way. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they just kind of do it. Yeah. And it, and it pays off. Like, yeah, I think it's funny because it's like, if you see them live, they are quite scrappy live but that's just kind of who they are and it's just they're part of their like part of their thing roguish charm yeah it's kind of part of their charm you know you go there and you just end up smiling the whole time because they're just having a good time yeah. and it's like it's like so am i man yeah i'm having a good time too and it's like i think and i'm a big mars water fan but man can they could they be described as wanky you know like kind of like uh, pretentious and it's quite quite a different way like a lot of people get put off by mars water because it is very knowing um, and that's something that Lawrence Arms on yeah I think also what you want from you know when you go and see someone live is to they're having as much fun as you are and you're bouncing off each other and you you know you keep having more fun whereas like I mean, we've discussed it before where like if bands look a bit bored or like they don't really care or even like they care too much you know it's a bit kind of try hard you get a bit put off and you don't have as much fun as you might have had if they were just yeah doing their thing you like know wandered up scratching their ass like hey yeah you know like rather than like yeah like sort of pre-prepared sort of yeah stuff you sort of want them to want to be there but not to like want to be there too much you yeah, know yeah. I don't know it's just like a it's fine I, art I think as well like I do think and I understand why a lot of bands do it because talking on stage and stuff can be really, really difficult. And it can. You, I would not want to do that. <laughs> this is enough for me. It's like it can be really tough, and I think you get often put on very much on the spot, and it's very easy to find that, like, be anxious about that and find that really, really tough. 
And so I understand why people sort of keep to a certain script or keep to like a, uh, like a, a, you know, like make it very much a performance rather than like, hey, I'm just a person that's mm-hmm. on stage. And I, but the problem is, I think it sometimes can, that can be great sometimes, but it can also be that you, it's very easy to see through that to a point where it's just like, well, yeah. I know you're just a normal person, you know, and you're, there's not it much difference. It works for some people though. Of course, I mean, yeah, it does, yeah. might be a rogue choice here, but like Dolly Parton, for example. Yeah, <laughs> sure, like, yeah, yeah. You know, she's definitely, like, I mean, her persona is almost, you'd almost believe it was her, but you kind of know that it's, you can't, yeah. that it can't be. But, you know, I think, it's obviously different when you're like, when you're Dolly Parton, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I think, if you're, if you're almost like quite upfront about the fact that this is your stage thing, you know, like that's um, like with Beyonce and Sasha Fierce, you know, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you've got like, there's you and then there's stage you and you kind of are open about that. I yeah. Think. I think that's the thing as well. Like I definitely prefer it personally when the band is like, you know, like I, this is a persona. Of course it's a persona. Yeah. yeah rather than when it's like, uh, this is an extension of me. Yeah, like I personally, you yeah. know, I am I am always like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so moving on to your book. So, uh, if anybody's ever met me before, they probably know that I've read an, a worrying amount of Stephen King, <laughs> um, and like I am a massive Stephen King fan, which obviously means I have like well aware of his flaws or trappings or whatever, um, but. Uh, the book eleven twenty two sixty three, which came out, I want to say in like two thousand and eleven, maybe two thousand. One of his more recent ones. Yeah, so it's quite recent. Uh, well, in the scheme of things, in the scheme of like his fifty year career, yeah. hundred book career, um, and that is quite different to a lot of his other books, and it is absolutely incredible. Like I really like emotionally fell for that book. To the point when, when that, you know, when you finish and you kind of get like a book hangover. Yeah, you're sort of like, you feel a bit lost without it. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're so invested in the characters. And like there is, um, we were talking about a bit the other day, I think, uh, where it's like the book is like not about what way, where it's finishing, but like what is actually happening along the route. And like some of my favourite parts of that book are like just, basically the concept is, it sounds really tacky and cheesy, but the concept is, this guy finds like a portal in a diner and it goes back to a certain point in time in like 1958 or something. And he eventually goes back in time to try and stop the killing of JFK. But he's got to spend like five years there. Um, And he like forges himself a life there. And so my favourite parts of that book are when you always completely forget that he's there to stop JFK getting assassinated and that he's just like making a life there and you know becomes a teacher and you're just like you care about the kids you know that he's looking <laughs> after and you know he, he does like you know curates the school play and you know it's just all these things and it becomes it becomes like so so relatable and it's just like the characters that he writes are so in depth he is really good at like daily life detail you know and yeah. like just sort of the little things about yeah, the parts of the book that aren't about, like, you know, the incredibly scary clown or whatever. Yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. Like, they're the, the strongest parts of the book. And obviously, you know, you, you're you in it for the drama as well, but, like, the what makes them good is the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is the thing with Stephen King. Like, he gets put down quite a lot from, like, people that consider themselves, you know, like, highbrow, mm. um, you know, like, reading, like... I, th- I think it's, it's a bit like, in a way, it's a little bit like Jack Greek, you know, it feels like, you know, like kind of trashy paperbacks and like, mm. but the thing is with Stephen King, I think is often that 
like the scary clown, the assassination of JFK, you know, like, the, you know, the house, scary house. They're like almost like a vessel. Yeah, they're just the framework, aren't they? Yeah, for, an for excuse. What want to do. Yeah, excuse to write about people and about relationships and stuff. Because, yeah. I mean, in his um, memoir, he did just write, like, oh, well, you know, I. I want to write about the characters, but I also like, you know, get a kick out of horror and yeah. that kind of thing. So I've just combined the two. So, you know, that's like, I get to, you know, explore what people will do when they're under extreme pressure. And, you know, it's not extreme pressure at work. It's extreme pressure from... Yeah, outside sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And then, you know, so I get to like win, you know, I get both the best of both. I get to like play with all these kind of ridiculous scenarios that would never happen while still being in depth and you know interesting with what people do so yeah I, I got a, I, I think he nails it really yeah I got a lot of time I mean like uh, again like he gets a lot of grief for his endings sometimes his endings can be a bit throwaway and he de- they definitely are yeah I kind of don't mind in a way that, like I enjoy the rest of the book enough to that he forgives the ending yeah, yeah like I think with almost any book I read Whenever anyone asks me, like, how was it? I always say, yeah, it was good, but it could have been shorter. Yeah. For everything. Yeah, I mean. And I think, so, you know, he's, he's definitely, definitely not the only person that. <laughs> which has that problem. I think the one thing I would say about that book, though, as much as, like, I, I think it really is about the ride, um, the ending is actually pretty satisfying. And I think he had help from his son to sort of, like, kind of, like, rein in a bit for that ending. Um, but, yeah, I remember I showed it to Caffs because uh, he's also a big Stephen King fan and I was like raving about this book and like you know when somebody raves about it too much and you get put off yeah so yeah, I thought I thought that was going to be the case and then he read it and like he was like came back and he was like oh my god <laughs> I really do feel like I need to read it now I've kind of been thinking about it for a while <laughs> I almost have been put off uh, yeah but... I'm not sure yeah uh, that, I'm sure you have because it's, but he, he came back and I was really convinced he was going to come back and or not want to read it or come back and say like yeah it was alright but he came back and like honest it was almost as if he had it in his hands you know what I mean like <laughs> I slams him, it down yeah, yeah, yeah exactly and like you could see the tears in his eyes you know what I mean like and he was talking about like the, the relationship the sort of core relationship with the movie and he was just like that bit at the end and, like, <laughs> and I was like, like oh my god and I was like I know man yeah. I know uh, that, is... <laughs> uh, that is the best book experience though when you not only when you've had you know that great ride with the book yeah, yeah. but then when you get to talk about it with someone else you also is that excited yeah. and you're just like oh my god I think like the funny thing as well is like we didn't really say any specifics he was just like it was just, just like making uh, noises yeah it really was it was kind of like that you know like we didn't chat about what was happening in the book we were literally just like yeah so then, then like at the end and then I'll be like I know <laughs> it's like and when oh, oh yeah, it was like that and then like you go like oh it's your favourite book and like, oh I, I, I like this bit but then I also like this bit and I was like I know right like that bit was it's good it's just and... also good <laughs> yeah. that is that's the dream book experience to be honest yeah. like I think you really have kind of sold it to me yeah I, I honestly I really recommend it and the thing is that it is so different to his other work mm-hmm. so I've read I've read loads of it and a lot of the time I feel like not book by numbers but you can see where it's going you can see the tropes there's always like there's certain things that he always does you know somebody always pisses themselves you know like <laughs> yeah I love the Stephen King bingo <laughs> the Stephen King bingo is really good yeah, yeah. um uh, yeah and like but that is for me that felt like a real step away and like it's the sort of thing that I'd quite happily reread and 
and uh, like the other thing is it did get made into a TV show which apparently was alright but I struggle a bit with adaptations because especially when you're so close to a book yeah you I think when you love a book that much you don't want it you don't mm. want to know whether the adaptation was good or not because no. you're almost always going to be a bit disappointed well I also because they had they gave him like a sidekick in the TV show because so much of the book is from in the person's head um, and so they kind of needed somebody to like talk to yeah. they needed like a Robin to the Batman do you know what I mean to sort of justify why he was making all these decisions and it just because of that it took away a lot and it became a bit pandering to the audience mm. um, I understand why they did it um, but they did it wrong uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know Philip Borman said he was like when I like thought about the idea of giving Lyra a demon it solved all of my problems because any time she needed to make a decision or think about something she could just talk to Pan now yeah, like, that's I feel it. like that's, they've just given him a demon you know so he can <laughs> yeah. like voice his thoughts out loud and it becomes more of a natural conversation rather exactly. than a, like shall I do this? yeah well I guess I'm gonna do it well that's exactly why that was exactly why Robin was created because it was just like they struggled because it was just Batman talking to himself all the time. Yeah. Like, God, I'm making some great decisions. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it's like, if you read comics and stuff, I actually don't think that's too much of a problem because you can just... You can use the thought bubble, Jake. I, I know. And man, do they use the thought bubble. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's essentially why they did it. I think probably they got to a bit where they were like, well, we've kind of exhausted this. You know, like they needed something to sort of spring some life into it. Um, like I say, I get it. Uh, but it really like that book was it was it really close to my heart until I watched the first episode of the adaptation and then I kind of sacked it off. I was just like, I can't. Yeah, can't be I think sometimes you just got to cut your losses and be like, yeah. I'm. I would rather not know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because it's never gonna be. It might be all right, or it might be even quite good, but it's never gonna be like this amazing experience that you're hoping it would be. Yeah. <laughs> so might as well just, you know, leave it. So we just talked about your book. So, luxury item. So, yeah. So I had two ideas, uh, and I've changed my idea. Okay. My first one was, you said to me, has anybody ever asked for an extra record? And I was like, that's a really good idea. <laughs> so my extra record was going to be Blood Mountain by Macedon. Um, but... But you're not choosing it. <laughs> I'm not going to choose that, no. Okay. But it gets an honorary mention, because I feel like I grew up as like a metalhead, as well as like a lot of other heads um, uh, um, and it needs a bit of a mention because I feel like I would abandon my metal roots yeah. you know what I mean yeah. Um, uh, so yeah uh, what I am going to do is choose and I decided this about 30 seconds ago is I have really have watched basically me and my girlfriend you know Laura you know Laura familiar um, with Laura familiar, familiar with Laura um I've been re-watching Friends and she's never really watched it so it's like kind of watching it with a person that's experiencing all these jokes again and I'm going to take the whole series of Friends. <laughs> uh, I feel like you almost need to take Laura so you can have her reactions yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a... Nah, I'll just leave it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, Yeah, I think I'll do that. I mean, I think uh, our whole family, like me, you and Cal, kind of grew up watching that like religiously I think part of the whole generation of people that did that yeah basically friends and the Simpsons are the language of this yeah yeah uh, and like I, I could probably take the Simpsons as well but I think I, I the Simpsons isn't quite as comforting yeah I think it's funnier at points but it's friends is kind of like 
a hug. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. more heartwarming, you know. You have moments where you're just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. I think that's the thing. I think when I was growing up as well, I remember owning some of them on DVD, and I'd like fall asleep to episodes and stuff like that. And it's just like it would be like a taste of home. And he's like, yeah, I mean, some that you know, it's not a perfect TV show. You know, it hasn't some parts have not aged very well. Um, but that, I mean, that's kind of the thing is when people criticize it for that, I'm always like, well, that is true. It does not hold. It does not has not aged that well. But then again, like a lot of films have not aged well. Yeah, it's just like it is 25 years ago now, so it's kind of like, yeah. well, the world has moved on, and that's a good thing. That doesn't mean I don't think it's aged there are some things which if I watch them now I can't enjoy them because yeah, sure. it, I don't think that's the case with friends I think there would be some jokes which wouldn't get made but the jokes that do get made aren't like outrageously you know it's just like you probably wouldn't do that now you wouldn't say that now you just yeah. avoid making that joke or you would just yeah, yeah. I mean I think uh, it gets a lot of like a bit of grief as well because it's like you know an all an all-white, all-straight cast, and like, like that, yeah, that does so. I d- the thing is, I don't think it was intentional, it just kind of happened. Um, I think, also, Phoebe's not explicitly straight, I don't think. Like, no, yeah, I suppose that's true, yeah. But, you know, obviously, yeah, it's not, like, super representative, but I think if you've got to just take it for what it is, I think. Yeah, and I mean, we're quite lucky now that we do have things that are really much more representative. Like, I, like, uh, I mean, we as a, again as a family quite like uh, really like Brooklyn Nine Nine, and the, mm. one of the best things about that is it's just it is just representative, and it doesn't make a song and dance about it. It just is. Yeah, you're not like it's not shoved down your throat, and you're not yeah. like woo, but it's, you just enjoy it as it is without even kind of considering think. it. Yeah. yeah, which is funny because it's like you know I've got four four series deep or something, and I was suddenly like, oh yeah. But like yeah, like I say, putting on Friends is still just like that absolute comfort blanket, and I can still pretty much like. I could probably there are probably the whole series of that where I could like mime along to. Yeah, it's when you can literally do like the pitch of the word they <laughs> yeah, say and everything, yeah. you know, and the the complete rhythm of it. Like yeah. I feel a bit like that about Harry Potter cassette tapes as well. Like I can hear Stephen Fry's voice ringing in my head. Like yeah. you can hear Monica like saying specific words exactly as you know. Yeah, she's exactly. Like, yeah, it was just so really funny because somebody said something. I, t- I told you this the other day. Somebody said something in the bar, like a friend of mine, and uh, he said it in a way, and I and I just went kidney stones. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, "Is that from Friends?" I was like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you knew. Yeah, otherwise I'd just be saying kidney stones in the middle of the bar. <laughs> yeah. And that would be weird. <laughs> yeah, oh. whereas now it's completely normal and acceptable. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that like that like that would just make me feel quite comfortable and quite yeah. like, at home. So do you reckon you'd survive well on your desert island then with your friends? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be fucking dreadful. I'm really, really, really bad with my own company. Uh, yeah, uh, like I'm surprised you you're not aware of that. I kind of think I think you like to be busy, but I also I thought you're kind of more like me and Cal, and that you quite value alone time. I thing is I value alone time, but I only I can only deal with it for a bit. So it's like I I'm the sort of person that cr- absolutely craves a night in. You know, when you work a bar and you play in a band and you've got band practice and then you got your other job and whatever, like because because I tend to be so so busy all the time I crave a night in and then if I get two in a row the first one I kind of enjoy and the second one I can't like mm. I will ring up 
I will go call my mates and be like, do you want to go to the pub? And it's like, not just, you know, I don't, I don't even, might not even want to go for a beer or whatever. It's more just to be out and chatting to people uh, yeah. and doing something and being productive. I'm like really, like, I, like almost to a fault. Yeah. But I guess, you know, on a desert island, you just probably end up keeping yourself quite busy, you know, crafting uh, a raft out of the hair me, on your back. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not that much hair on my back, so yeah. I think I'd really fucking struggle with that. It'd be very, very small. <laughs> I could do it for maybe like... Like my, a twig. Yeah, I could do it for like my chest hair, you know what I mean? That I've been growing for a long period of time, and now it's only to the point that I feel like, you know, sufficiently yeah, Now I enough. can make a raft. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, no, nah, I... I don't know, like, I really, really struggle with my own time, and I think, uh, like, yeah, I do like to be productive, but I'm not particularly good at, I'm the sort of person that will try and fix my bike, and it will fail every time, and then I'll be like, why, do I shouldn't do anything, you know, like, why do I do anything? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> should have just stayed in bed. Exactly, yeah. I mean, one thing I can do really well is sleep, I can fucking sleep so well, but I think that's also because uh, I can sleep, and I don't worry about things, you know, you just sleep. Yeah, also, I think if you're busy a lot, you know... It's way easier to sleep if you've got lots of. Mm. If you're not busy, you're not tired enough to just like conk out. I think that's the thing. The reason why I keep so busy is because I just worry about everything. And if I, that's the problem when I stop. So if I have too much time by myself, then I just think I just worry about everything and I think too much. So I think that's what's made me so busy. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would be dreadful. I'd be really fucking <laughs> shit. I would be like insane in like a day. I think yeah. you know I'd have watched all the Friends episodes. I'd have listened to all my records. Yeah. And then like. <laughs> Yeah, you'd be crying about the fact. We don't even fucking like sand, man. Like <laughs> sand sucks; it gets everywhere. Yeah, that is that is true. Um, yeah, so I'd probably just be pretty sad and feel very sorry for myself and burn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then being a vegetarian, I would probably have to give that up to try and eat. But then I wouldn't be able to fish because I'm shit at that sort of thing. So you'd basically just eat some dodgy berries yeah. and die. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that would be your... Yeah, I'm hoping every berry was going to kill me off. Ah, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, they were too delicious. <laughs> um, okay, so given the, the infamous Nickelback question, you'd yeah. go home then? I would probably go home. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I'd have to. I'd, it would, I'd, like I said before, I'm kind of indifferent to Nickelback. I actually think they had a bit of a time and a place. In terms of a lot of people's music kind of lives, like I definitely owned one when I was eleven. Yeah, yeah. I don't see the hate, but I kind of enjoy the, the hate. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, kind of I enjoy, enjoy observing hate. it, but I don't. I don't feel strongly either way. But I kind of, I don't often enjoy watching people hate on things. But yeah. this is one thing, just because it's interesting why people have such strong. Well, opinions. I also think it's kind of they're they you know they don't give a shit. Yeah, they're like a more million pound fucking like thing. They they don't care. It's not like they're an up and coming band that are getting unnecessary shit yeah. for something that they are trying hard to do. They have very much succeeded, so it's just like not an issue for these people. One thing I did want to ask though, not about Nickelback specifically, but so all music. So when birds are like tweeting outside, he'll be, be like, "How are you, remind me, yeah." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I was kind of just thinking about it because I was like, "Fair enough, whistling, ringtones, the radio, movies." Okay, fine. And then I was like, "But you know, you sing, it's still Nickelback." Did I just get coffee on you? No, I was just looking at it, thinking it must be really disgustingly cold. It's very cold, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so like I would go home only because I would go nuts on this island. However, music has become such a massive part of my life, I would find it very difficult. I'd have to like change. I think I'd have to change sort of creative 
endeavors. I suppose that's why, like I did sort of the podcast and stuff, I think I'd probably go into failing at film instead. Yeah. Instead of failing at Well, you wouldn't music. have to worry about your soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> One I mean, thing. I mean, I suppose... <laughs> I could, yeah, I mean, that is true. I could... Uh, but I mean, I could, I, could, I could recreate in quite an interesting way. Mm. But I think that's... I would just fail in a different creative medium. Yeah, I do think most people... You know, if you... If you're interested in, like, writing or music or art or whatever... Yeah, if you... Even if you just get bored of your own medium, then you'd move on to something else mm. that, you know, you wouldn't just give it up forever. Like, no. you'd just find somewhere else to yeah. express it. I'd start, but uh, I'm no good at painting, so I wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Picasso kind of sucked. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Or> like, Hot take! <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Like, I think sucking at painting is, like, not really a thing, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe I could make a career out of sucking at painting. Yeah, many people do. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I could do Rothko. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, true. like, he got pretty big for just, like, fucking shades of red. Oh, yeah, they are nice, though. <laughs> they are nice, but, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't talk about Rothko. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just Rothko, no. Anyone else? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't really know. Like, I, my, I remember hating Rothko as a kid. I think I maybe yeah, hated... I do remember when we took a trip to the Tate Modern with the Wilcoxes. And it was I, literally a Rothko exhibit, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. And there were those big white boxes in the turbine hall. And we were all just like, well... Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, I do... Obviously, you know, I'm really into art and stuff, but there's a point where I then, you know, obviously it's not suspending your disbelief, but, like, I enjoy a lot of stuff and then I get to a point where I'm like, wow, I just can't be fired from this. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like, yeah, it is great, but at the same time, why is it 25 grand? Yeah. Like, or probably more, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, in The Dispossessed, they were talking about, you know, obviously it's these two different societies and one of them's really capitalist and one of them's Mm -hmm. not. And... This guy from the non-capitalist planet cannot understand how a piece of art can cost the amount that it would take, like, ten families to live for ten years. Yeah. You know, he just can't fathom it. I mean, it's, that's a pretty fucking interesting, like, point of view, because it's yeah. just well true. That's the thing, I read it like, oh, that's ridiculous, and then I was like, oh, God, that's where we live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is reality. Yeah. <laughs> like, They're talking about it here. Yeah. It's so thinly veiled. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it took me, you know, 30 seconds to realise, and I was like... <laughs> not taking me that long <laughs> like, it's yeah. quite embarrassing yeah it's like man that place sucks <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway I'm off to Waitrose yeah. <laughs> by my quinoa <laughs> uh, yeah it's oh, it's a funny world mm. and it sucks it's a silly silly world yeah um Okay, so Jay, anything you want to plug? <laughs> plug, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to plug the podcast you do? Uh yeah, so I do this podcast. Um <laughs> yeah, uh I suppose I should be doing the band Sunliner is going to be um, we're going to be releasing some new songs in I think I think the first one will be out probably at the end of this month um, but I don't actually know when I'm going to put this out so we'll see <laughs> um, but like yeah so pretty soon which is cool because we've been sat on these songs for a long time um, and then we get to release that and it kind of shows the progression of the band I suppose and it's coming out on some two pretty cool labels I'm really excited about working with Lockjaw and Paper and Plastic um, and then, uh, yeah, it's tough because I don't know when it comes out, but we've, we've got some pretty cool shows to announce. But I don't know if they'll be announced yet anyway. So, mm. uh, But yeah, so we're going to do that. And then we're just keeping busy, I suppose, going out to Europe in July, playing Comrade Fest. Um, 
Yeah, and then I don't know. We've got a whole bunch of new songs as well, so it's like we're basically halfway, more than halfway towards a new album, uh, which I really want to record this summer, but we'll see if we've got any time or any money. You know, two of the major factors of really okay, recording big an variables album. Yeah. Variables. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, um, no. No, yeah, just those few little bits and bobs. Little, yeah. little bits and bobs. <laughs> yeah, just dabbling in some things. <laughs> um, do you want to plug anything? I feel like I should reverse this on you now. Oh, uh, yeah. The interviewer becomes the interviewee. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I guess I should plug my Artstagram, which I think people Artsy. don't say Artstagram enough, but I think it's good. Yeah, in- yeah Artstagram's better than Insta Art. Yeah. Instart. <laughs> <laughs> just. Mm. <laughs> no, it's not good, is it? Yeah, but it's uh, Macalester Eloise, and I uh, post a lot of crap, but occasionally there's something nice. Well, there's, so, you know. there's quite a lot of good stuff on there, and you're gonna, you've done a bunch of art for the Sunliner release. Yeah, that's true. I'm excited to be able to post about that. Yeah, I feel you like, think? <laughs> like, what did, how did you feel? I feel. <laughs> yeah. well, I feel like I kind of set it up thinking, like, oh, you know, I'll have some finished, you know, completed stuff. Because, you know, I post a lot of, like, in-progress yeah, and yeah, sketches yeah. and whatever, and I was like, oh, this would be cool. I can, you know, post all the album art. not going to be able to do that for, like, six months <laughs> after it's been done. Yeah, it will get, uh, these things take time, man. They take time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're a bit like me. I'm just so damn impatient if it was me. It'd have been, like, out. I think, you know. <laughs> yeah. Forever, like, forever. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. That's done now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how I feel. <laughs> That's why nothing on my thing is finished because I just like do a sketch and I'm like, cool, yeah, good done. enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it seems to be coming along quite nicely, though. Yeah, you know, we're, we're chugging, chugging, chugging. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's great. Well, we'll finish there, I suppose. Yeah, well, thanks for coming. <laughs>